November 7, 2006, approximately 4.30 p.m., multiple witnesses at the Chicago O'Hare International Airport observe a strange hovering craft. The government refuses to investigate, and a prominent airline forces employees into silence. What really happened on that cloudy day? Was it merely an honorary cloud? Swamp gas in the sky? Aliens? Come along for this week's episode as we discuss the Chicago O'Hare UFO encounter. It's the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA and... Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. Follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. Alright, this week's episode is the Chicago O'Hare UFO Encounter. But first, it's time for... Strange Events. Bizarre Facts. The Unbelievable Revealed. This is the Mind Boggle of the Week. French Town Outlaws UFOs? Chateauneuf de Pape, 1954. Marius de Wilde witnessed a cigar-shaped craft and two aliens near his garden. As he approached, they zapped him with a green beam of light, paralyzing him. By the time he recovered, the visitors were departing. Many other reports of a cigar-shaped craft reached authorities. There was a full-blown panic over the strange sightings. The mayor, Lucien June, passed a law to stop the pesky aliens from harassing the town's citizens. The law reads, Article 1. The overflight, landing, and takeoff of aircraft known as flying saucers or flying cigars, whatever their nationality is, are prohibited on the territory of the community. Article 2. Any aircraft known as a flying saucer or flying cigar which should land on the territory of the community will be immediately held in custody. And Article 3. The forest officer and the city patrolman are in charge, each one, in what relates to him, of the execution of this decree. The law appears to have been successful as very few, if any, cigar-shaped UFOs have been seen in the region since. The law is still on the books today. And now it's time for the show. All right, Agent ETA, would you like to kick us off on this episode? Yeah, absolutely. This is a great story. And there's a couple different reasons why this is a great story, in my opinion. Not only because of the consistency of the description from the people who supposedly observed this event, also the people who observed this event are, in my opinion, very credible because a lot of these people who observed this event are people who uh, worked at the airport. First of all, this is a, an event that happened in 2006, and it happened at an airport called O'Hare Airport in Chicago. And it happened on November 7th, 2006, and it happened around 4.15 p.m. in the evening. So a lot of the uh, people who observed this particular event, you know, baggage, you know, handlers, um, some of them were mechanics, some of them were pilots. A lot of these people are, are they're very familiar with their surroundings. They spend their life at an airport as far as professionally, you know. 
um, they know what they're looking at if, if they see something very out of the ordinary. So when I hear a lot of uh, testimonies from people who, who obviously, in my opinion, observe something that was very out of the ordinary, and they're, they're all describing very similar things. There's not very many, um, you know, discrepancies in the stories that you hear from these people. They're all describing the same thing, pretty much, like I just said. The only discrepancies that you really kind of uh, come across are things that, in my opinion, can be very easily explained, like um, the size of the vehicle. You know, I've heard some people say that the, the vehicle was like anywhere from 6 feet to 24 feet, you know, in diameter, you know. Some people say um, it was at different altitudes, but but it's still you know pretty similar from what they describe. Like I said, that can be easily explained because not everybody's going to be um, viewing uh, the same object from the same perspective, from the same distance. Not everybody's going to have the same ability and eyesight as well. You know, not everybody's eyesight is the same. You know what I mean? Some people have twenty twenty. Some people have have lesser eye, eyesight. So, um, I, like I said, a lot of these things I think can be easily explained away. But I think that, you know, the people who are describing the event are um, credible enough. And they're also people who, in my opinion, know what they're talking about. So that's why I find it such a compelling case. From what I read, the first witness was a ramp employee mm -hmm. and he was pushing back a United Airlines airplane flight 456. Mm -hmm. And it was a, I've seen different time frames. He, he was taxiing but, that, that plane, right? Yeah. yeah. The time frames I've seen are between 4.15 and 4.45, mm. very, very roughly speaking. But you know how it is when you're at work. You don't know what time it is specifically. Yeah. But well, And not, not everybody saw this thing at the same time, you know? Yeah. So it was probably around then. So we'll, we'll just round to the middle and say 4.30 approximately. Mm. So he was, yeah, he was taxiing this flight and he saw this thing and he notified the pilot and co-pilot they saw it and then they reported it to the tower. The general description, all the witnesses have various descriptions, but the, generally speaking, it was described as, let's say, a dirty aluminum color, very stable and without optical distortions near it. That's what the co-pilot said. Approximately 30 feet in diameter. Various witnesses saw this between 2 and 20 minutes. So some of them only saw it for a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Some of them saw it for, uh, I mean, 20 minutes standing there looking at a UFO. 20 minutes doesn't sound like a long time if you're playing video games. Mm -hmm. But if you're if you're watching something that you've never seen before, that's a really long time. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah. even, even two or three minutes. Like, just imagine yourself, like, standing on ground level looking at something that you, you know, may think is a UFO as you're observing it. I mean, only you know, as long enough for you to get a good observation of the whatever you're observing would be long enough to, you know, really shock you. If something is sitting there for 20 minutes or, you know, however long it may have been there, I mean, that's that's a long damn time. And that's, that's plenty of time for all kinds of people to have observed this, which after the fact, it seems to have, you know, seems to be the case. Uh, originally, um, supposedly so... 12 United Airlines employees, you know, reported this to uh, United Airlines. And originally that that's what was like reported, you know, in different news organizations that, you know, there was 12 people that observed this, but that's actually not the case that there was quite a few more people. I, and there may have been hundreds or upwards, maybe of a thousand, you know, thousand plus people that, that observed this thing, because you got to keep taking into account that the vast majority of people who may have observed this type of thing may not only 
write it off as not even being a UFO or, you know, who knows what they write, they might write it off as being, but they're not going to report it. You know, it, it's a, a pretty well-documented scenario in these type of cases where most people actually aren't going to report it because of fear of, um, you know, I guess you could say some type of retribution, not necessarily that, but they, they don't want to be looked at as somebody who's crazy, you know, somebody who, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, not only that, if if you're a civilian witness, let's say you're not an employee at the airport, but you saw this thing, who are you going to report it to? Yeah. You're going to call the police? I mean, no, you're not going to call the police because that's not who you report UFOs yeah, yeah. to. I think the average person who saw this thing, they wouldn't even know who to call. Maybe your local news department, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, but if you're at the airport, that's not where you live. So you're going to get on your plane and go away. And then you're going to call who you're not, you're just going to forget about it, you know, or tell your family. And then they're going to say you're crazy. Besides the the 12 employees for United Airlines who saw it, there were also like agent ETA mentioned, there were also many witnesses in the surrounding area who did see this and who did report it. Yeah. The, they saw it on the ramp and the pilots reported it. And then two mechanics working in a hangar, they overheard some radio chatter and they went outside to look for the object They saw it and they said it was 100 to 200 feet below the cloud cover. Now, the cloud cover was about 1,900 feet. We know this for a fact because we have the weather data from this time. So they said it was gray oval and it wasn't like any blimp or other aircraft that they were familiar with. Yeah. And also, everybody supposedly agreed that the the object was very silent and they didn't hear any kind of humming noise or anything like that in, in like... It's another aspect of this that I believe adds to the the legitimacy of the story because there is a, a very solid consistency with the description of the object. Right. Everybody yeah. pretty much describes it as, like you said, dark gray. Um, everybody agrees it was silent. No, I, I haven't heard anybody uh, describe any kind of noise or anything like that. You know, I, I don't hear anybody describing um, any particular type of light that, you know, comes off the object or anything. Like I said, it's it's a very consistent story that we're hearing. Yeah, we have we have lots of independent witnesses who are all describing essentially the exact same thing. So the next thing that happened is there were some office workers and they also heard the radio chatter and went out to look. They described it as dark elliptical and said that when it left, it was so fast that it was a blur. The so we mentioned earlier that the tower they, the pilots reported the object to the tower, but they didn't see it and they did not pick it up on radar. And the object especially did not have a transponder. So we know for a fact that whatever they were seeing was not a traditional craft because nobody in their right friggin' mind would fly over one of the busiest airports in the world with their transponder turned off. That's just insane. You're asking for it, right? Let's just say, let's uh, suspend disbelief, right? Let's just say that this is a, um, an intelligent individual flying some kind of a, a technologically advanced object or vehicle, whatever you want to, however you want to describe it. If they are going to go into an area like this, it's going to be for a specific reason, I think, because they're going to be smart enough to know that this, this is going to be a busy airspace you're going to be risking safety, right? Uh, I mean, whether that individual, whoever's piloting the aircraft cares about that or not, or not, they're going to know that. So if they are going to do something like this, they're going to have a certain level of 
confidence, I think, in their ability. Say you did have a, a highly technically advanced vehicle that you were piloting. I think it's quite possible that you also have a high level of confidence in what you're doing and you, you will be able to do something like this because it doesn't really matter. You're so capable, you're going to be able to get out of the way of anything that's going to be in your area. And, and I think that also, if you're able to move in this this um, the, the, this uh, level of ability, you're probably going to be able to be aware of your surroundings in a similar, you know, at a similar level as well. So there, there were some other witnesses, uh, various airport employees and civilians. Well, they're all civilians, I suppose. But there were witnesses in a parking lot who saw this. The, the people who reported it did not report this as being an alien craft. They reported it as being a threat to the airport security. This particular sighting happened right over gate C-17, which if people want to go on Google, Google Earth or any, other, any of those uh, map search type engines, you can go over this airport and actually see the exact spot where this event supposedly took place. There's nothing that would please me more than knowing that people go to this airport dressed as aliens and take pictures of themselves <laughs> on this terminal just to troll the lights out of the employees that work there or the security guards yes. or whatever. That would just be, yes. that would make my day if I knew that that happened. <laughs> yes, please. But I mean, make sure you do it in good humor. You yeah. Know yeah. I mean? And also don't be standoffish or anything like that. I mean, to be honest, like that's kind of on one of my bucket list things to do as far as just, just ridiculous things that, that I want to do that sounds fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a couple of things that I want to go to the Colorado airport and do as well, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll get, we will get to that airport. Believe you me. Yeah. We, we, yeah. Well, but some, some of that bucket list stuff that I'm talking about is actually now not uh, even possible because um, I wanted to take a picture in front of some of the murals that they used to have from, but from what I understand, and I've never been to this airport, but I've seen mm -hmm. a lot of the screen captures that people share on the internet, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, some of the murals that people talk about, um, with the conspiracies involving the Colorado airport, um, those murals from what I understand, some of them are gone now. They've been yes. covered over or, or, you know, um, altered. Yeah, and I imagine that people actually went to the airport, as you might expect people would do at an airport. Oh, yeah. They or a saw lot of them. Yeah, you can find those pictures online. Yeah. They saw these murals, and they went to the management, and they said, what in the holy hell are these murals doing here at this airport? <laughs> All right. Well, let's not go off on that tangent, because... It's a whole a whole episode or several on itself. That is just a really oh, weird scene. But what yes, I want to know that, is... That is definitely a subject that I absolutely want to do an episode on eventually. So one of the weird things about this case is that the mainstream media didn't report on it until January of the next year when the Chicago Tribune published an article. And originally the FAA denied knowing anything about it until the Tribune filed a FOIA request and received a copy of the call to the tower. Agent ETA, would you care to uh, reenact this call with me? Sure, I would. it would be my pleasure. Okay, would you prefer to be uh, Dave or Sue? Um, I don't know. Would you like to be Dave? Um, yes. Okay, so at 4.30 p.m., upon sighting this strange object... The, the pilots called the O'Hare Tower, and this is the conversation that transpired. 
All right, so Dave is in the O'Hara Tower, so we'll start the conversation now. Tower, this is Dave. Hey, Dave, this is Sue in the United Tower. Hey, Sue. Um, hey, did you see a flying disc out by C-17? Oh, it starts Sue, a flying, you're seeing this flying discs? Well, that's what a pilot in the ramp area at C-17 told us. They saw some flying disc above them. Come on, Sue. You didn't see it? Hey, you guys been celebrating the holidays or anything like that? I haven't seen anything, Sue, and if I did, I wouldn't admit to it. So for me, that last line is very, very interesting. So here Mm -hmm. you have somebody working in the control tower, and I'm sure everybody out there is familiar with this, but in case you're not, what those people do is they work really hard to make sure these planes don't crash into each other. And believe it or not, this is way harder than it sounds And if you don't believe me, go check out some documentaries on the topic. Yes, and it's it's an extremely stressful job. As a matter of fact, if I don't, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it has like one of the top two or three highest suicide rates of any career in this in this nation. Yeah, it's incredibly stressful. So anybody listening to this episode, whatever you do in your job, imagine that every second of every day of that job. you're responsible for not killing people. If you make one mistake, people are dead. That's what these people do. So imagine these people say, well, I didn't see anything, but if I did, I wouldn't even tell you about it. That just blows my mind. Some of them shows that they're definitely starting from a certain perspective. That's for sure. Yeah. It's kind of strange. And they're not willing at all. A lot of these people are not willing to accept these type of scenarios willy-nilly you know what i mean it's not like they're gonna they're, they're going to just like uh, be open to any kind of conspiracy theory or ufo topic yeah. you know what i mean so i think that also says a lot towards some of these people giving giving the descriptions of the event that they did because these aren't people who are usually typically open to conspiracy theories you know what i mean right working at an airport if you called the tower and you falsely reported something as a gag or something they would end you. You do not do that. You don't mess with the tower. All right. You don't call the tower. They're busy trying to keep people alive. They have to stay on a schedule. Do you know how many airplanes fly out of this airport every hour? If you mess that up. It's a very busy airport. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're calling the tower as a gag to make a joke, then your career is over and you will probably see jail time. That is not something that anybody in the right mind is going to do. That's very interesting to me that the tower, their attitude appears to be, Hey, are you guys having us on? Is this a gag? Are you making, is this, you you know, you're pulling my leg here because you don't pull anybody's leg in this kind of a situation. Imagine if you're in an airplane, you're saying, Hey, tower, I'm about to crash into something. Ha ha ha. Just kidding. I wasn't. Nobody ever does that because that's really, that's ridiculous. That does not happen. All right. Let's get to the second, the second call to the tower that I was able to find that was apparently revealed from this FOIA request happened at 447 PM. So about 15 minutes after the first call. All right. This time, I don't think anybody has to be a boy named Sue, so we can just choose 
Would you? I guess I'll be the the United controller because okay. that I was the United controller last time. So let's just go with it. All right. So here we go. Four forty seven p.m. United controller. There was a disc out there flying around. There was a what? A disc. A disc? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. What can I do for you? I'm sorry. There was... I told Dave there was a disc flying outside above Charlie 17, and he thought I was pretty much high, but um, I'm not high, and I'm not drinking. Yeah. So someone got a picture of it, so if you guys see it out there... A disc? Like a frisbee? Like a UFO type thing? Yeah, okay. He got a picture of it. How? How? How high above Charlie 17? Well, it was about... It was above our tower, so... And that's where the transcript ends, unfortunately. The most interesting thing about this second transcript is that they mention that somebody got a photograph of the UFO, but this photograph has never surfaced, which is kind of strange because in cases like this, usually there's a lot of media coverage. And if somebody had a photo of it, that would definitely end up on the six o'clock news. But this photo that they mentioned in this transcript has never surfaced. There's no reason to believe that the, the person would say this if the photo didn't exist but it's never come to light. And we have to ask ourselves, where did this photograph go to? There's actually several witness reports that say that this person went and got their camera and took a picture, but zero of those pictures have actually surfaced, except there's one photograph that came to light on the, uh, the above top secret forums. And I'll, I'll read the link right now that you can find this picture for yourselves, which is, HTTP colon forward slash forward slash files dot above top secret dot com forward slash files forward slash IMG forward slash G one five five six three two B five A dot JPG. Why don't they simplify this crap? I'll put that link in the description if I remember, which I probably won't. So don't count on it. But so there's a couple problems with this picture. There's there's doubt as to whether or not it's a genuine photograph. Some people think that somebody took this photograph off of the internet and then just kind of pasted a UFO into the photo. Other people say that this photo was taken from a vantage point that many, many people take photographs from. So if you go online... You can find many thousands of photos taken from this vantage point. It's a very, very common place to take a photo from. Witnesses saw this photo and have said that the object in the photo looks like what they saw that day. But on the other hand, even like the most, the most hardened enthusiasts of UFOs, they want to believe, but they look at the photo and they doubt its authenticity. So maybe don't really take it as actually real. Just kind of take it as something that 
probably looks like what those people saw that day because that's what some of the witnesses said. There was a Discovery Channel show, uh, Unexplained Files, and they actually had photos on that show that are provably fake. Somebody actually proved that those were faked photos. They found the actual original photos, which had been flipped. So you can flip a photo to where the left is right, right is left. So they flipped it, and then they added the UFO onto those photos. Those are fake. That's one example. There's a lot of fake photos of this incident that you can find, which is kind of unfortunate, but I guess it's to be expected in the modern UFO era, if if you consider 2006 to be modern, which... Maybe it's a stretch at this point. I don't know. This is not a really controversial case because there's really nothing to dispute. The, the independent witnesses all report basically the same thing. The skeptics, I'm okay, so I'm not making this up. I'm this is actually this is real. It sounds like I'm making this up, but I'm not. The skeptics say that the witnesses saw. Uh, can you guess, Agent ETA? If you had to guess, what would you say? The witnesses saw. Uh, well, if I could take one term that I've heard described often, uh, w- would it be weather phenomenon? Yeah, that's well. That's what the FAA official the the official FAA explanation was: weather phenomenon. They said mm. something to the effect that oh, there was lights from the airport shining up onto the clouds, and people saw clouds and. I guess they reported it to the tower because that's what you do when you're a mechanic or somebody Mm -hmm. working on the line or the ramp. You call the tower and say, oh, oh, oh my God, there's clouds up there. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody who's been working at the airport for years, whether it be a couple of years or a decade plus, you know, which is the the, the, there's a different span of of, uh careers that you know from people that have uh, given testimony the the one thing that is kind of a little misleading about this whole scenario is the majority of the testimony that you're going to find is anonymous and, and I mean, to me it makes sense after the the, the level of um information that I, that I have according you know relating to UFO scenarios most people there's a lot of people that observe this type of thing that that just plain don't want to give their story because they're worried about retribution they're worried about people you know marking them as a crazy you know what i mean like they they don't want to be seen as somebody who who is is uh you know crazy or schizophrenic or you know what i mean because there has been people who have reported ufo um incidents whether it be a sighting or abduction what have you that after the fact have been labeled as crazy. And, and some of the people really haven't taken well to these accusations and, and it has, you know, ruined their life in some ways. And some, some people it has truly affected their, their well being mentally and physically, you know what I mean? Because of the way that they reacted to the situation. And we've covered this topic before. Um, I guess, it, you know, it, it depends on the, on, on the individual, but I could definitely see the reluctance in some people when it comes to, describing any situation like this, you know what I mean? Like they, they may have observed it, but they may, but they may not want to talk about it because they, they just don't want to be seen in that light. You know what I mean? They don't want to be looked at as crazy or good guess, but actually the skeptics or pseudo skeptics, as I call them, they say that Venus is to blame for this entire sighting. I mean, 
it's always Venus. So <laughs> you should have just said Venus because that's what they always say. It, oh, that, 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 yeah, that, that is also one of the, the third or second common explanations. Yeah. Say, oh, well, um, I saw, I saw a flying craft land in my field. It looked kind of like a helicopter and then it flew back off and it took one of my cows with it. I think it was a helicopter. No, 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 no. You saw the planet Venus. Don't worry about it. That's <laughs> all you saw. All right, then. I, I believe that. Sure. Why not? <laughs> it's always, I can't, uh -huh. uh, I, I don't, almost don't even want to mention it at this point, but I guess why not? You know, the skeptics say it was Venus. There's just a couple final, I guess, miscellaneous things that we can talk about on this topic. One of them mm -hmm. being that the witnesses were, they were threatened with losing their jobs or they were suppressed. And there was a very obvious cover up from the start. Is, for example, we mentioned the FAA denied that they had, oh, we don't, we don't know anything about this until they got a FOIA request. And then they released yeah. documents that, oh, wait, we were well, just kidding. We actually did have something about this. So, yeah, well, and even at first, when, when they, when they first put out their first explanation of the event, uh -huh. they actually hired a, a doctor. His name was Mark Hammergen or Hammergren. He, he, he was an, an actual astronomer and, um, he, he like went through a detailed explanation of how the, um, the weather at that time had set up a, a um, a perfect hole punch cloud scenario as he's quoted to have said, um, now, now, me being the, the the naive individual I am when it comes to weather phenomenon, I, I am aware of some different weather phenomenon, but I mean, if you've ever seen any kind of like video of a propeller driven aircraft or even a jet driven aircraft that, that punches through any clouds, it's not like I've seen all the video out there, but everything that I've seen does not explain the scenario that I hear explained by the observers of this event yeah i i've never seen anything punch through a cloud like that before so some of the witnesses they said they saw the object punch through the cloud and they saw blue sky above as if this thing had tunneled yeah. through the clouds there is yeah. there is actually i know i have never seen this in person but i know this from researching this case apparently mm -hmm. if the clouds are basically cold enough to be frozen ice particles floating around and something can cause, you know, like a, a piece of ice particle can fall through the cloud. It can actually cause this sort of a phenomenon. So this is mm -hmm. something that can happen in real life. A hole can yeah. actually be punched through a cloud, but, but, but uh, it has to be a very perfect scenario that, that's created by natural cloud formations or weather but it's not necessarily something I've ever seen created by an actual aircraft because here's the thing. Like, all right, so if you see a propeller driven aircraft go through clouds, there's going to be a wake that that aircraft creates, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be able to observe the, the turbulence behind the work, the aircraft, you know what I'm saying? And um, there's a very similar, well, not very similar, but a somewhat similar um, end result to a, a jet, propelled aircraft as well. And in my personal opinion, I think the aircraft that would be most likely to, um, you know, 
make that that scenario happen, well, well the mo- the aircraft that's most likely to to punch a hole through clouds, I think, would be a, a helicopter. I would think because of the circular type of nature of the, you know, helicopter propeller, right? I mean, if a helicopter w- was descending fast or ascending fast through a, um, a cloud bank, then maybe it may it might be able to you know produce a, a circular void within that 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 cloud. But I I don't know. Like I said, maybe I'm very naive to, you know, (laughs) what's going on there, but I just can't think of a scenario where any aircraft that we use could produce a a perfect hole. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I don't know. It's just from what's described, I can't, I can't um, produce a scenario that would, that would produce that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so a helicopter, to me, seems like it would just kind of swirl around the cloud. It wouldn't punch a hole. It would just move around the cloud that was there, and it would just still look like a cloud if it went straight up from there. But there is apparently an atmosphere. There's a a property with clouds where if it's basically ice crystals floating around, it's possible for that to happen, but it's very, very rare. So it's possible that if something shot up through that cloud, it could cause something like that. But you still have an object shooting up through the cloud, which is kind of very weird. The witnesses didn't say that they saw a tunnel appear in that cloud out of nowhere. They saw something shoot up through the cloud to create that tunnel. So whatever the atmospheric conditions were, something caused it. It didn't happen by itself. But the interesting thing is we know that this is a real thing that happens, even though I've never seen it. Probably most people have never seen this. I've never heard anybody talking about this, but it is possible for a hole to be punched up through a cloud. Also, one thing that I really started thinking about when I read this description, what if you had an advanced propulsion device, kind of like the Alcubierre drive, that moves matter instead of the vehicle moving it moves the matter around the vehicle so a way of thinking about this is that your vehicle is staying in the same place and it's moving the universe or whatever is around it moving everything else moves and the the vehicle stays in the same place and if that is the kind of vehicle we're talking about that could cause the the vapor in the the sky or the cloud to kind of move around the vehicle as it passed through it. From our perspective, we're seeing the vehicle pass through the cloud, but from the vehicle's perspective, the cloud is passing around the vehicle. And uh, I don't don't know if that makes any sense or not, but uh, long story short, if there was some sort of novel propulsion device that we are not really capable of making ourselves or that, at least the average civilian doesn't know about, maybe the government does, I don't know, then perhaps that could also explain punching a hole through the cloud. But certainly, without any doubt, a conventional aircraft would not be able to shoot straight up through the cloud like that and would not be able to punch a hole through the cloud. Any Anything that is commonly known, whether it's a drone 
or a helicopter or a jet or an F-16 or whatever it is would not be able to do that. And by the way, you're not going to see an F-16 at Chicago O'Hare Airport because the military would not overfly an airport under any condition unless they absolutely had to because it just wouldn't be safe. At the end of the day, I my opinion of this case is that there was an observable object that people did notice. And in my opinion, I, I think that this was a vehicle that, that it's more likely that our government owned that was being test piloted and was kind of being experimented with. You know what I mean? They, they were trying to see what public reaction would be had from, from this incident. You know what I mean? Yeah. They went to a, um, a highly, you know, populated airport and they were, they were trying to see what the reaction was. That, that That's what I think was the end result of the uh, incident. My opinion on the, uh, the incident is, so everybody's going to want to ask, uh, so aliens. And my opinion on that is, I don't know, maybe. I think that the witnesses definitely saw something and if you if you cross reference the report the witness statements that you can find they saw a physical craft and this physical craft punched a hole through this the the cloud layer but beyond that we don't have enough information to know what happened for sure so i think that the witnesses were genuinely reporting something that actually happened and I think they saw something real. Beyond that, it could have been a government craft. I think that's very plausible. It could have been an alien craft. That's also plausible. But we really just don't know for sure without more information. The government probably has a really, really good picture because they would know if it was theirs. And they probably would also have a very good idea if it was a foreign powers craft I mean, if if you're Russia or China or whoever, are you are you going to be flying over O'Hare? I mean, probably not. You know, you're you're not gonna you're gonna maybe fly over Area 51, but not who, who knows. <laughs> but oh uh, yeah, who, who knows? Uh, yeah, what, what what is your intention? Yeah, you know? what, but what, yeah, my you know, what, what what perspective are you working from? I get. I guess my final thoughts on this episode is, it could be anything. I believe the witnesses saw something weird, but we don't really have enough information to know what it was. Mm -hmm. I would love to see those mysterious missing photographs that almost certainly yes. exist, but were almost certainly suppressed by a government agency. And we're talking about the post nine 11 world where the, the NSA can go onto my phone right now and delete any photograph I have on there at will if they want to. So I, I guess I guess that wraps up this week's episode. Join us next time for a topic that we have not decided upon yet. Thanks for listening. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com.